0: Too many men forsake their dreams because they aren't willing to risk or fear they aren't up for the challenge or are never told that those desires deep in their heart are good.
1: But the soul of a man isn't made for controlling things, he's made for adventure. Something in us remembers, however faintly, that when God set
0: man on the earth, He gave us an incredible mission, a charter to explore, to build, to conquer, and to care for all creation. This show is about that ancient song that wells up within each man when he ventures into the unknown. It sings out like a clarion call to the wild places of the earth. This
1: is the Anthem of the Adventurer. The show for men who are looking to answer the call to the wild places in their lives. I'm your host, Dan Zaner. Today on the show we have a man who's got a ton in common with me. A love for music, the outdoors, board gaming, plaid, and of course, woodworking. (laughs) This guy is just such a blast to talk to. About the process of creating functional pieces from natural materials is an adventure. From that first pass on the milling machines where you discover the grain pattern in a piece of exotic wood when you have a finished dice tower to play your favorite games with your friends. Today I've got the honor to introduce you to a great guy, the co-founder and Viking Lumberjack at Dogmite Games, Mike Conus. So today we've got a special guest who I've been looking forward to talking to for a while. We have Mike from Dogmite Games, a fellow woodworker, lover of plaid and bearded awesome guy <laughs> and uh, and gaming enthusiast. He uh, and his company make amazing solid wood accessories for all sorts of games from RPGs to stuff fables. We were talking about that offline just now. Uh, our mutual admiration for Jerry Hawthorne's work. So Mike. <laughs> It is awesome to meet you, uh, glad to have you here today. Good to meet you as well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, your family, and, and kind of how you got into uh, woodworking as a, as a business. Sure, sure. Um, I'm from Michigan, born and bred.
0: Um, I was an artist in my past life. I, I have an MFA in painting. I, after grad school, I went into teaching at a collegiate level. About seven years into that, um, he and the other half, the other owner, who's also named Mike, uh, decided to make a card game. We were playing the Game of Thrones card game, which if you've you've ever played it, it's it's fairly complex. It's hard to get other people into. So we both lived on a lake in Michigan. That's how we knew each other. And... uh, drank a fair amount of beers, like to play some games, and we wanted our friends to join us in that bold endeavor. And uh, so we made a game called Lake Billy, like Hillbilly, but Lake Billy. And (laughs) That's awesome. And you know, we we had a beer, we were deciding like how to get more people involved into our game playing. And in about 20 minutes, we came up with basically the, the core idea. I went home the next day, I did a digital drawing of one of the characters, emailed it to Mike, who happened to be a graphic designer and a computer programmer. And he sent me back a fully designed card with all the graphics done. Cool. And we originally just decided to do that for ourselves, right? We just print it up at home, put it in card sleeves and use it. And then we heard about Kickstarter, which was relatively new back then, and decided to kickstart it. Um, it did okay. Uh, it, did, it funded. And we had I think we had 64 backers for $9,000. Hey, that's pretty
1: good.
0: Yes, but we knew every one of those backers except six of them. I think my, my Aunt Linda put us over the edge on the final day. I don't know. So that tells you a little bit about the reach that
1: we had. And then, yeah, that's um, how I started this thing. I, <laughs> my, actually, I think all of my Patreon patrons currently, I know all of them really well. So. Nice. <laughs> and that's what you do,
0: right? <laughs> somewhere, you <yeah. laughs> know. So, the game called Livestock Uprising. That one did better, 15 grand, but we did... We made these little feeding troughs to hold the counters in for that game Oh, cool! and included it as part of the stretch goals. And those got really good reception. So we set the game off to print while we were waiting. We were like, why not do something else? So we made a deck box and launched that on Kickstarter. And then we did like a dice chest, which is basically a candle box designed box that slides out. We have a little dado cut where you can hold that the lid up as a mm-hmm. screen and roll against, and that did really well on Kickstarter, like 50 grand. As a mm-hmm. screen and roll against, and that did really well on Kickstarter, like 50 grand. So we decided to drop the games and continue with the wooden accessories. And honestly, I had been building my own wooden stretchers for years. The other Mike had, had been more serious of a woodworker for about 10 years before that. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, to, to, to actually start the business and fulfill the deck box Kickstarter, uh, he had, we took down 70 standing dead trees in the property around the shop. Wow. And then we milled them ourselves, we dried them for six months to a year, depending on when we needed it, mm-hmm. and then used that lumber to fulfill basically our first two Kickstarters almost.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I like how you're, you're you're you know using the resources around you for that, but right. So you've we got a do that anymore. forest around you. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. It's just we don't have the 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 trees left
0: for one thing around the property, <laughs> yeah. and we moved to a different shop, and we don't have the room for drying.
1: Um, you
0: know, a lot of the stuff we do now is a lot more complex. So yeah, we, yeah.
1: You guys use a lot right. of exotics now too, so you gotta yeah. mix up your your wood suppliers and things yes. like that. I imagine. Yep, absolutely. Okay
0: yeah we're getting a little bigger shipments than we used to get it's, it. <laughs> it's a good problem but, to have yeah it is it's cool we grew from basically we did that mike and i worked in his shop for two full years and then we hired uh our who's been the, the person who's our director of operations now director of production we call him puzz Puz longbeard uh if you follow us on kickstarter or anything he's <laughs> Involved in a lot of our stretch goals, he's actually the hero of our campaign within a campaign that we're running right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but that then now that was two years ago, two and a half years ago, and now we're a team of twenty.
1: We've got full time office
0: staff and
1: wow, grown quite a bit. Yeah, and you're at you know all the big conventions. I ran into some yeah. of your uh, uh, companions over there at the yes. GameCon last year. I just love yeah. you know, looking at all your stuff you got going on. It's you know, no, thanks. We have a lot of I'm fun over all of it. <laughs> we
0: always make like massive weapons, like anime size style axes, and we have this <laughs> this one hammer. It's made out of bubinga and jatoba, which are two of the heaviest woods that we use. Yeah. And the thing is, 24 inches wide, and it's uh, I think it's 11 inches on each side. Holy moly! Four inches. It weighs a good 25, 30 pounds, and it's hollow. But uh, I love that thing. And we just swing those things around all day, trying not to hit (laughs) con-goers. We we actually had a guy, and and the show's about adventure, right? One of the adventures that I I remember is one of the, we were at Gen Con, and three people walked in, and we had a bunch of smaller weapons, like for kids, right? Like just cut out on a bandsaw, sanded, and uh, they were standing at the weapon rack for like 20 minutes. So I walk over and start talking to them, and the guy's telling me that he's going to run in a 5K at Gen Con. They do it every year and in costume, so he's going to dress as a barbarian, and Ah. he wanted a a weapon to carry. And I said, I'll tell you what, you carry this big-ass hammer, and just bring it back to me after you're done, and I have to you already right? booked for that hammer
1: this year at GenCon?
0: <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> it's still open. Yes, if anyone wants to run a 5K carrying that thing.
1: Well, I'd be honored to do that. <laughs> I forgot about the uh, the GenCon 5K and might uh, throw my steel plate in my GORUCK backpack and yeah, proudly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I guess the year before he won in his age group. He did not win the year carrying the big-ass hammer around. But he won it a different way. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yes. Absolutely. That's awesome. Oh, man. So cool. Well, um, there, There's so many different things I want to ask you, but the, the first thing I want to talk about is, is what does adventure mean to you? Builder wow. of things, gamer of games. Yeah. Maybe something completely different. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer. Today we're brought to you by the awesome patrons over on Patreon. Patreon is a platform where you can support the show on a monthly basis to help with production costs and also improve the show with higher quality audio, swag for supporters, and much more as we reach our monthly goals. Head on over to patreon.com slash Anthem of the Adventurer to pledge your support and thank you for making this happen. Now back to the show. There, there's so many different things I want to ask you, but the, the first thing I want to Talk about is is what does adventure mean to you? Builder of things, gamer of games, yeah. Maybe something completely different.
0: No, that's interesting. I always I tie it adventure to me means at its core means exploring. I think, and a lot of things I've done in my life have been about that. Whether it was teaching art or painting, or now crafting something out of wood, I think those all kind of go together as far as like creative exploration. I think there's also a different tie to it that's a little more visceral, like uh, going on a trail run or hunting. I'm a, I'm a big hunter. I love it. And uh, to me, it's about the adventure of going somewhere you've never gone before. And maybe that's the connecting point between the two of those mm. is pushing it what rather intellectually or creatively or physically on the other side of it. And I think those are both very, very close together.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, and and you can definitely see how that kind of ties in with, you know, everything you've been talking about so far is that that sense of discovery through, you know, making new things or trying out new materials. I mean, you have different. How many different materials do you guys use in your products now? It's, it's oh, up geez. to a lot. Yeah, it's probably over thirty different types of woods, depending on the products. And just launched a bunch of new polyhedral dice that are you know, right, right. Just gorgeous. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, and I, that's a, actually funny because that's one of the things that we're experimenting with now. So you know, we started with the wood, and wood wooden dice is something people have been asking us for for four years now, and we've. A always more Complex that people give me credit for too. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 exactly. And they're they're amazingly complex, and they're fine detail, and have to be perfectly done. And we didn't have the skill to do it. So once we did, we started to do it. Once we did that, we weren't, we didn't rest there. So now we we started making our own molds and putting things in resin and then cutting the resin molds out into dice. So we're putting, you would, it's crazy, the the things that we're putting into resin right now to see if they'll work, we started (laughs) with dried flowers. Um, We actually did big boulders with a fantasy miniature inside the boulder and then the dice sculpted out of that. Wow.
1: So you get like the legs of an orc in your yes. D20 or something.
0: Yeah, that's, at first. It, the first time we tried it, we just cut them all up and then put the pieces in. But mm-hmm. it wasn't really legible. Legible. It yeah. wasn't readable. So now, once, once we thought about putting a boulder in, which is a 50 millimeter D20, which is much bigger than the standard, <laughs> then we just stand the mini up and pour the resin around it and cut them outside of that. Cool. And now we're doing guitar picks and we're just trying anything and everything. So... We've got um, Tibetan prayer flags, and it's crazy. It's just, we will try anything once. <laughs> and I think that it, obviously if you look at the company and the products that we have, it's pretty clear that, that that sense of adventure is certain, certainly embedded in our creative process because we come up with some things that not many other people do, especially on a larger scale.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys, I mean, one of the things that I've seen is kind of your hallmarks is all these crazy scopes that you've got on, on yep. some of your products. Like, How did that come about?
0: Um, it's, it's basically I draw the designs and then the other Cameron, because of his programming, Cameron, sorry, the other partner is named Mike Cameron. So he goes by Cameron. <laughs> I go by Mike. If I refer to him as Mike or Cameron, that's why. <laughs> He's a top-notch programmer. He was making his own uh um, Computer game when we got together basically. And so, oh, really? He does all the digital sculpting of the designs that I do. Ah. Yep. So it works cool. out pretty well. And that's, you know, once we he talked me into getting our first CNC machine, I was a little leery. He's like, we can do anything on it. And I'm like, oh.
1: And now you know. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. My background is mechanical engineering. So I, I'm like, oh. yeah, CNC and digital sculpting. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs>
0: And he's so quick now that he's been doing it like three years. It's pretty, pretty insane. That's awesome. We like to stretch the boundaries a little bit in that regard. Yeah. But it's fun. It keeps, you know, it keeps the adventure going in the company as well. Yeah. I, I do not like business. That's for sure. I, I like to be out in the shop. <laughs> I want to be drawing or, or, you know, interacting with a community or something. But business side of stuff is certainly false. It feels less adventure packed to me generally.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a good thing you've got good teammates who uh, who find their sense of adventure in that, or yes. at least are, are very skilled at it. Yes.
0: Yeah. Exactly. exactly.
1: That is uh, something I haven't found yet in my my own um, adventures into uh, we'll say side hustle furniture making. I wouldn't call myself so <laughs> a right wretch, but uh, yeah, the business side of that is definitely the least fun part. Right. Right. <laughs> So
0: I'll give you a good example of, of how willing we are to, to do things. We have a kind of a pet project going on right now. It's part of our r RD. I can't really go into it, but let's just read. Mike was working on a sculpt, and normally we take a sculpt and then we'll run a blank through to practice, basically a practice cut. Mm-hmm. Um, cutting these on the CNCs will take anywhere from four to 16 hours, depending on the size. So this one took, take a, takes a little longer. We're doing it on a on a large uh, live edge slab Whoa. that was fairly expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple hundred bucks. And because the cut's so long, Mike and I were discussing if we should run a test first. And we're like, really? yeah, we probably should, but we really <laughs> want to see how it looks, it looks. And we're a little impatient. So uh, he's like, let's just run it. And I'm like, yeah, let's just run it. <laughs> and, I actually said to him, I'm like, you know, we didn't get to where we are now by, by holding back. So let's just do it and
1: see how it works out. It's cutting right now. We'll find really? out a couple hours from now. Oh, boy. We're well, looking forward to seeing how that turns out when you can share some pictures. <laughs> yeah, If it doesn't work out, we can just flip it over and do it on the other side. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> Slabs, I think, are, are one of the most fun and challenging woodworking areas that's going on right now. I don't know about you, but there's just, there's just something about working with something that you can recognize as a part of a tree. <laughs> right, yeah, no, I agree. There's something, there's that history there.
0: And especially if it's a larger piece, you can see the, the banding that goes through it. And you know, there's a the piece that we're cutting right now is a crotch piece. So you can see kind oh, of how beautiful. that tree grew out of the corner. You can see the resulting feathering and the quilting that, that results because of that growth. And that cellular structure and then it's got a little spalting where it was dropped and laid on the wet ground for too long or Mm -hmm. or had a disease and that and it's the tree fought that disease off by releasing those chemicals it's really interesting and i think that that history is something that is really
1: nice and you always respond to in a piece of yeah i think that's part of the the, you know kind of adventure and discovery of woodworking right is that that first milling of a slab or piece of lumber or whatever when you get that first rough layer off the sawmill off and you're like oh that's what's yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and a lot a lot of people don't
0: see that aspect of it because if you go to home depot and you look at the, the oak pieces they have those are all cleaned and planed already and surfaced but you know the lumber we get in from the miller when we go pick some lumber up you're talking about rough cut planks that are you know eight quarter and you never know exactly what you're going to get and uh yeah i love that that first planer pass i love that that first spray of varnish and it's kind of that you never exactly know no matter how long you're doing it how long you know
1: what you're going to get out of a
0: piece yeah
1: i'm putting At, some finish on a, a dining table I'm, i've been building for a client that's uh out of curly red oak which oh, nice. worked nice before but yeah uh, you just simple, like, minwax poly, and I'm going to put some paste wax over it, and that first coat of finish is like, oh, yeah. man.
0: <laughs> it is crazy. And I remember when we, we started, we, you know, we started with the domestic trees that we took down. So, it was a lot of white ash, cherry, some aromatic cedar, a little bit of elm that didn't work out very well. Mm. And then we did a whole run of products using all that lumber up, and then we... We went to our mill and got Bubinga and Padoke, and- Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and it's, it's just crazy that, that kind of range that you can get into, but, it, but it's odd. And we always responded to kind of the new shiny as we went through that. But now as I continue to do this more and more, I kind of fall back to the, the love of the traditionals. Like a piece of on red oak is gorgeous. I love white oak. Um, good old walnut is, is one of my absolute favorites.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially if you can get it air-dried, black yeah. walnut just got such a depth of character, all those yes. colors of greens and grays and purples and chocolate yeah. brown and everything in there I, that you just don't get right. in even commercial walnut. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's true. And I guess supposedly they, the majority of walnut that we purchase is steamed.
1: Exactly, yep.
0: about that color. That color which seems odd to me so we always get ours on kind and release that and make it a little more non-uniform but we always tend
1: towards the higher contrast in woods so a little bit of sapwood if we can find it you know yeah especially i mean the you get some of the sapwood from the walnut that creamy yes. color that really nice contrast with the dark brown that's great absolutely gorgeous cool. a, the first
0: thing we did when we moved into our, our new offices here is go to our mill and we bought an eight foot. 5 edge slab of walnut. It's probably eight feet by three feet, and it's three co- it's, it's three inches wide. And uh, yeah, and it is gorgeous. So we basically just worked it, planed it down, and epoxied it and popped some legs on it, and it is amazing. The, the purples and, and cream colors kind of going against that more traditional brown. It's, it's incredible. I love That's it. Awesome. I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you do you have a I, I mean a favorite species to work with? I mean that's like asking what your favorite kid is, but uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe top three. <laughs> um, I really like red heart.
0: Mm. Um, it's one of my absolute favorites. I think my my love of the wood is kind of tied directly into its workability. You know, after yeah. sanding, like chichen is a amazing wood and has amazing color to it. But it is just tough to sand. It's tough to work. It fails a lot on us. And uh, Red Heart kind of has all those qualities that I like in a wood. It's, it's got a rich active grain pattern. It's got amazing color transitions from like a bright, vibrant red to more of a yellowish orange. Mm -hmm. Um, Those transitions aren't as kind of over the top as they can be in some other woods. But a little more subtle, which I like. It sculpts beautifully. The finish oh, is yeah. insane. It polishes really nice. It polishes one of the best out of all the ones that we do. So that that's probably up there.
1: Mm. there. Are my favorites. Red Heart is fun. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Um I would say yeah, just good old black walnut is probably yeah. one of my favorites. Yep. Just because of like what you said, you can get such variety of figure, especially when you're, you know, talking slabs and crotch pieces and yeah and colors. Um I I also just have a a a special place in my heart for for Paducah. Just yeah. I've made some American flags with Padauk as the red stripes oh, nice, Yeah. That just looks so cool. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, it's very—it's one of our standards. We, a lot of our our customers get it. It's it's by far one of the most popular woods that we use. Yeah. I also,
1: really love cocobolo, bolo. Ooh. But I am terribly allergic to it. Yeah, that's the that's the interesting thing about working with some of these jungle woods is <laughs> you yeah, can get some pretty nasty reactions to them. Unfortunately. Yeah,
0: I have an iron constitution. I I. Never had allergies to anything. I, I rarely get sick, and I read kind of the the warnings about working with coca bolo I ignored them all, and shortly thereafter, about two three hours, um, all of the tender spots, like inside the eye, trucks to my elbows. Yeah, it was just brutal, very inflamed. Ouch! And yeah, that,
1: that's that's, that's one care. of the parts of adventure you don't want to get <laughs> too much.
0: Nothing venture, nothing game at all, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, that's part of the venture too is risk, a little bit of risk, a little bit of danger. Um, What would you say, I mean, um, is when you get into a little bit of the routine and mundane, do you get to find a way to spark your creative process again? Are there some ways that uh, that you kind of tap into that over and over? Oh, boy, that's interesting. I think, it, I think you definitely have
0: to to get away from the problem at hand and have that sort of separation and escapism. I think gaming does that a lot. Um, uh, we talk a lot about keeping our love of gaming going mm. despite the fact that we're in the business. A lot of people say you might love do something you love, and then once you, mm. once you start to do it for work, you kind of lose that love of it. Yeah. And uh, I've fought actively against that, um, I think, by I, I'm a huge gamer. I play a lot of games, a lot of nights of the week. Um, I also run a lot, and I think trail runs are one of the coolest things I've ever done, and it's it's a really good way to escape the mundane, especially when you, you feel like you're sitting in front of the computer all day long. Oh yeah, Getting out and, and doing that kind of activity, and uh, I don't know, there's something about that closeness with nature. Um, as, as I said earlier, I hunt, and I've enjoyed hunting for many years now and trail running is relatively new, a few years less than that, but I think they're both very similar in a lot of ways. I was talking about this with my training partner the other day, that they both require uh, a good amount of endurance and that you have to have heavy endurance while having heavy focus at the same time. In hunting, yeah. it's different. You're enduring the cold. and but you have to be ready for that fast action when it does occur. So you have mm-hmm. to be focused. And I think hunting trail running especially is, is similar to that because you're running up hills, you're running down over logs and, and tree limbs and roots and rocks. and Yeah. Continuing that endurance while you're doing that is something that's really cool. And I think changing the focus off of what I'm involved with at work all day long into something that is absolutely 100%
1: not about work is yeah. one of the best ways to recharge, I think. That's, that's really great advice and good to remember. Do, do you guys um, ever play games outside with, uh, you know, kind of your love of the outdoors and, and games? Oh, yeah, and together? yeah I,
0: my house is right next to a wooded area and uh, I built a, a, a really nice picnic table out of cedar and um, it's a great service. We play card games out there all the time. Uh, that Game of Thrones card game I still play. <laughs> I play that often. And what else outside? No, it's mostly sports. A lot of frisbee. We throw a lot of frisbee. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in Michigan, so the the time is short, basically.
1: Yeah, there is that. <laughs> yeah. What part of Michigan are
0: you guys in? Uh, we're middle, like Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh,
1: nice. Yeah. So south, middle south. Cool. Of the mid. Yeah, <laughs> been been by there a few times. We've got some friends who live up in uh, Holland. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's great it's up there. Yeah, and it is. nice. Nice that you're you're kind of by one of our our big another Big Ten school, even though we like to rag on them a bit up in Michigan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Being a Illinois grad and working at Purdue. Oh, nice.
0: I, I actually went to uh, Michigan State before I went into the fine art program.
1: Awesome. So we can, we can join in our hatred of the blue and gold.
0: Absolutely. And now <laughs> I'm based in Ann Arbor.
1: I can't believe it. Ooh, it, it takes you to <laughs> in some interesting places, doesn't it? It, it does. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, oh man. So what's next for, for you guys that you can, you can talk about at least uh, in terms of either adventure dog Dogmite or in, in your own life, um, sure. what are you up to next?
0: Well, as far as the company goes, um, we're going to keep making products. We're, we're fulfilling a lot of Kickstarters right now. Um, keep on working and, and, and busting it here. We have probably 10 ideas that we've been working on. Uh, Mike and I will come in every day, and usually at least two hours of our day is spent on developing new products and prototyping and, and working them out. Um, I have a, a card game holder. I, I feel like I'm talking about Game of Thrones card game an awful lot, but <laughs> we recently started to get into the L5R collectible, or living card game. Yeah. It, that's, it is, and it's a, re- it's a great game. So you build a deck, but it's not like magic where deck, the deck is all that matters, right? You have other counters, and especially in L5R, there's a huge amount of car- counters that you have to carry around with you when you play so we're kind of looking at a non-traditional deck box product that will hold everything that you need as opposed to just a, a massive deck mm. um working on some side projects nothing i can really talk about at the moment oh we're going to keep messing around with dice and seeing what else we can put into them <laughs> and then yeah we just have some other other small ideas you know nothing like groundbreaking at the moment i don't think those so those never come to us when we are when we have the time to think about them. It, they'll come to us the day before we launch a different Kickstarter. Yeah. So,
1: I know the feeling.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as personally, uh, I'm, I've got a race on Friday. It's a 5K and a trail I've never run at nighttime. Oh, wow. And there's a bluegrass band playing every at every mile marker. And that's that how is you so judge cool. your mile. <laughs> and then there's... Years after, and a concert, a bluegrass concert immediately following the race. That sounds
1: much more enjoyable than the events I subject myself to. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty pretty pumped up about it. it should be fun. Wow, and it's only a 5k, so it, it feels pretty pretty
1: doable. So yeah, that's great. I yeah, I don't know if you ever heard of the the Go Ruck Challenge by chance. No, no. <laughs> if if you're into pain and the outdoors, um, it's the uh, <laughs> It's basically you carry a heavy pack on your back, with oh nice, a thirty-pound steel plate and three liters of water, starting at nine o'clock at night, and you go through seven, eight, nine in the morning, wow, and do many, many, many miles and calisthenics, being led around by a special forces operative. Wow,
0: yeah, that's it's yeah. a little out of my
1: training league at the moment. <laughs> <I think. laughs> it's it's brutal but uh, satisfying when you get none. Right, I bet, I bet.
0: But yeah, but
1: your idea a little better. <laughs> yeah,
0: me too. me too. We have something called the uh, uh the Dances with Dirt out here, and that's similar. It's not quite as long, and it's a team events. Uh, it fills up every year, but it's through Pinckney Rec Area, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous park system. And basically, it's there's no trails. They they just put flags through the middle of the woods, oh, and it'll be you know through a swamp and then up a mountain and then through another swamp. And it's just brutal and bloody and muddy. And that's one of my, my goals is to put a team together for that. That sounds fun.
1: It does. It does. <laughs> Especially if it's not at night.
0: We're doing a, a, another run later this year called, it's a Viking run. And I guess there's a, a whole series of them around the nation that occur in different states. Cool. And uh, people dress up. And I think it's five or six miles or something, but they're it, supposed to be Pretty brutal, but people are in costume and and yelling oh, as
1: Vikings as they walks run. Through. <laughs> There's no so, use for your big hammer. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been dared to to carry that on this one. I don't. I we'll see. We'll see how it goes. There kind you of go. is. Yeah,
1: um, man, this has been this has been awesome. You didn't think we we're gonna fill up this 40 minutes, did you? No, um, not at all. It's going by. So, one more question as we as we start to, to wrap up here and um, sure. let you get back to the sawdust. is uh, <laughs> What would you challenge uh, me and the, the audience to this next week to embrace some adventure in our lives? Whether it's something you're, you're doing or something that's inspiring you, um, what do you think uh, would be fun for us hmm. to tackle? I think not enough people get out into the woods every
0: week. And I, th- I think that's certainly something that will change your perspective on the day-to-day life that you lead. So if you get to a park near you, um, just climb into the woods, walk down a trail, and stay out there for a couple hours. And whether it's kind of getting lost in, in the environment around you or getting lost in your own thoughts, try not to let, let your day-to-day business kind of invade on that, on that space and just kind of you know, relish it and be aware of, of where you are at that moment. So I think that's yeah. very important. And I think it'll open a lot of
1: different ideas that you might not have had at other times. Awesome, that is definitely a challenge I am eager to take on. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> it's
0: so strange, I don't think it's, it's, it's rare to see, we run three or four times a week and we'll see two or three other groups out there running and you know, it's, it's shocking how few people take that opportunity to get
1: out there. Mm, and, yeah, and I
0: think it's, it's very important.
1: Yeah, it was uh there was something I think it was REI or something like that it was saying that we spend like ninety-three percent of our lives indoors. We're becoming right. an indoor species. Yeah, yeah. And we're not meant to,
0: to do that. We are no. we are <laughs> machines at our core and we need to we need to be worked
1: one way or another. And
0: and sitting is not the way to do that, I think. And yeah, more,
1: yeah, yeah. Get out there and do it. Awesome. Well, looking forward to posing that challenge to uh, to myself and to everybody <laughs> listening. Um, and we've got a, a Facebook group that's actually growing pretty well that we challenge every Monday morning, uh, podcast episodes release. Um, so this will be in a few weeks. Um, we'll we'll make sure to tag you in the challenge post, and we can. Perfect show everybody um you know what you're doing out in the woods where can folks come to find you and the other mics and the rest of your team at dogmite all of your awesome things you're doing
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty easy
1: it's dogmite.com d-o-g-m-i-g-h-t dot com sweet yep. nice and simple
0: yep. and now, you guys and have got
1: a kickstarter campaign going now for yep. GM yep. we're, we're cool. running
0: our artifact dice and those are our Sets of polys or D6s cut out of some of the rarest woods in the world, finished by us by hand. And we also have different ones that are using natural materials like whitetail antler and um, tortoise shell. And cool. tortoise shell. those are, it seems to be the most popular and per, my favorites. And they're tortoise shell encased in a special casting resin and then cut into poly sets. We inlay Mother of Pearl for the numbers. They'd really turn out gorgeous. So that has 24 hours left
1: as of right now, so get on it. <laughs> I might have to. I'll fully admit our last, uh, we've got a, a D&D group from uh, this dad's group I on Facebook, the Dad Edge Alliance, and there's a few of us who, from actually all over the world. We've got a guy in the Philippines who's in it. Nice. And, uh, we we use Roll20, but I still roll physical dice. Just
0: Yes, you have to. <laughs> nothing
1: and, uh, takes the place of that yeah so I, I was uh drooling over some of those artifact dice <laughs> i'm like oh this will be so cool i know. So, those so i may have to see if we can find some some room in the budget for that i <laughs> will <laughs> cut you a deal don't tell anyone but we'll, we'll cut this out of the recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's been awesome talking today, Mike. I'm looking forward to getting to know you better and and seeing you guys at Gen Con or, or other places as well. It's uh, this has been just absolute honor to talk to you today, man. It's awesome, Dan. Thank you so much. Good talking to you. Take care as well. and, uh, enjoy the uh, the rest of your day. And hopefully that slab turns out <laughs> in the mill. <middle. laughs> yes, I'm, I'm anxious to go. I'm excited and scared to go see how it how it did. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, take care. Thanks,
1: Dan. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer. Please leave us a review in iTunes. Those are the lifeblood of a new podcast, and we really appreciate those. If you want to continue the conversation around this episode and engage with your fellow adventurers on our weekly challenge, join our group on Facebook. Now go out and live your adventure.